0: Greetings from the center of Canada, and welcome to the French Faithful Collective. My name is Mike Powell, and this is Article Episode Number 7, entitled The Parable of Curious George and Its Function to Explain the Global Truancy of God as Complete, Partial, or Merely Apparent. One of the most iconic, popular, and entertaining collection of children's stories from the past century has got to be Curious George which was originally released in 1941 by Hans Augusto and Margaret Elizabeth Ray, of blessed memory. These German Jews narrowly escaped from Paris by bicycle on the eve of the Nazi invasion of France. Among their very few possessions was the self-titled manuscript of the first of seven original stories, which they eventually brought with them to New York, where it was published and has never been out of print. Since that time, the original adventures have inspired dozens of new books written and illustrated in the style of Margaret and H.A. Ray, as well as television shows, movies, toys, and apps. Now run along and play, but don't get into trouble, said the man with the yellow hat. George promised to be good, but it is easy for little monkeys to forget. This brief exchange in the first tale between the unnamed man and his inquisitive animal friend in essence defines the storyline of every adventure featuring Curious George, and what I personally find intriguing about this formulaic series of stories is how comparable it is to our experience of life, specifically the events of our existence in relation to God. For instance, have you ever considered where the man with the yellow hat has gone anyway, what he's doing and why he always seems to be leaving George alone when it's inevitable that he'll make a mess of things. How often have we asked the same questions about God, wondering where God is when problems arise, contemplating about whether we'd be in such a mess if we hadn't been left on our own, waiting for God to return to set everything right. Normally the word truant refers to a student who regularly skips school someone who's consistently inconsistent in their attendance. But what about absentee teachers? Technically, the term truancy would also apply, as it's about shirking duty, failing to show up, or lacking presence. And if we extend the concept into a theological realm, one might even ask whether God is a truant. After all, isn't this what the psalmist is wondering about when they wrote or sang, Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? We are not the first generation and won't be the last who wrestle with the idea of God's absence and who are deliberately and authentically concerned about if and how God is present with us in the world. Related to this, I don't claim to know what's going on, but find it helpful to consider a few options using the man with the yellow hat as a metaphor for God. In essence, as I envisage Curious George as parable, three different pictures seem to emerge. God as completely absent, God as partially absent, or God as only apparently absent. The first outlook would be best described as atheistic or agnostic, whereby the man is simply an imaginary projection of the monkey. Perchance, Curious George is delusional and has invented a fictional man to be his friend when in fact this yellow-hatted figure simply doesn't exist or cannot be verified to be real. After all, the man with the yellow hat never really participates in the plot of the story, so much so that when the man allegedly does return, the trouble's being resolved and amends have been made by George to those who were upset or inconvenienced by his own curiosity. It's almost as if the man is superfluous as a character, and though iconic, if removed, each tale would in essence play out the same way had there never been a hat-wearing man. The second point of view could be taken to portray a more deistic image of God, in other words, the conclusion that God was present but isn't currently, or that God is present to some extent but not completely. Here, the man with the yellow hat is recognized to exist, but has either temporarily left, or for whatever reason cannot be fully present when his monkey companion encounters problems. So, feasibly, God is somewhere in or beyond our universe, but has either left things to run on their own for a time, for example, the divine watchmaker argument, or the conditions of our existence effectively prevent God from being entirely with us. For example, the notion that God chooses not to intervene in circumstances that directly contravene our free will as humans. Accordingly, this perspective accepts the story as a description of reality. George feels alone because his friend is not accessibly or helpfully at hand. Perhaps the monkey is at fault for wandering off, or maybe the man wasn't paying attention and is answerable for his negligence. Or it could be that the man with the yellow hat knows and trusts George will ultimately make the right decisions on his own. Regardless, what's clear is that the monkey's predicament is in practical terms equivalent to the first outlook of the man being illusory. Because whether God is fully or provisionally absent, the experience for us as humans is divine absenteeism. This leads me to a third option, which would be most commonly associated with a theistic or conventionally Christian worldview. Considering the apparent absence of the man with the yellow hat, it's easy to assume that because we don't see him, that he's gone somewhere else. But in these stories about Curious George, although the man isn't in the picture, in other words, he has moved out of frame, this doesn't mean that he's gone. For all we know, he's just out of our line of sight which would line up with the idea that God is spiritually imminent, that God, who is invisible, may nonetheless be consistently and constantly near or close or next to us by the Holy Spirit. Still, sometimes one's presence raises more questions than answers. If this yellow-hatted individual was there, foresaw or heard commotion, why not step in before trouble arose or became worse? To say the same thing differently, The dilemma that we face when it comes to misfortune, unrest, and tragedy is this, is the reasoning which maintains that God allows or permits this or that difficulty to subsist in our lives, in essence the same thing as God causing it to happen. If there is a divine presence in our midst, when bad things go down, is God merely a powerless bystander, or worse, one who sanctions or condones such things? I can't believe that to be true but I find the other proposals to be equally unsatisfying as well. All this to say, though I find the story of Curious George to be useful in its ability to act as a caricature for most of our diverse convictions, it also problematizes an understanding of God as a personal being. Because if God is a figment of our imagination, or only partly or erratically with us, or purportedly wholly present in some unverifiable, ghostly way, then we're not actually dealing with a person like you or me at all. After all, doesn't mature, unimpaired, unimpeded, unhindered personhood imply perceptible interaction or two-way, comprehensible conversation? Isn't the knowledge of another person's actuality in real time and space necessary? for a legitimate relationship to exist for us as humans with our five senses wouldn't you assume that any person who's attempting to communicate with us would do so in a self-evident irrefutable fashion with at least one of the ways we normally use to interact with the world and not just leave us to speculate about if and how they are or aren't here among us in this life thereby curbing the use of absurd analogies such as a curious monkey and an absent man who likes wearing yellow hats. This is surely why some have chosen to altogether re-examine their concept of God, as Peter Rollins eloquently spells out in episode 111 of the Robcast, using the terms super-being, hyper-being, ground-of-being, and event to describe God. Correspondingly, if we were to adjust our views and expectations of God, we might not feel so burdened to justify or make excuses for God not being there the way we would normally expect a fellow human being to be present. As for me, I'm still generally inclined to conceive of God as somehow personal. If there's anything to the proposal that humanity has been made in God's image, I'd assume God isn't simply an anthropomorphic projection of ours but rather that our humanness resembles and find its source in God as a person. And though a more deistic outlook makes the most sense to me right now, as it best lines up with my experience of life, I'm also not willing to make an absolute claim about it, because I could be wrong. If I've learned anything these relatively few years that I've been a resident on this third stone from the sun, it's to accept uncertainty as an inescapable reality, to always be open to rethinking things, and to focus my attention on what we do know for sure. That being said, if one of the very few assurances we have in life is that we're all going to die, then it seems to me that we ought to insist only on those things that do the most good within our current state of existence, as opposed to theorizing, estimating, and arguing about what might be, but which no one can seem to agree on, and which so often leads us to vilify, mistreat, and destroy one another. While God could be a person like us, which is what the four views of the Curious George parable each assume, perhaps it's more constructive and beneficial for us to focus on those people who are undeniably in front of us, beside us, and around us. Unlike the characters in Samuel Beckett's play Waiting for Godot, our task isn't to simply wait around for an imperceptible God to show up. Instead, it could be that the very act of accomplishing what's right, of being just, merciful, and humble, is how we embody and enact what Jesus is remembered to have said. Namely, whatever you do for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you do for me. Peace and love, sisters and brothers.